0: We're going to read chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish And call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the other sailors came to and said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now this terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Question when does a 9 story fall not kill you? Answer. Um in in 2005 there was a lady uh, Gloria Jumadi who was cleaning her balcony and somehow she fell off of her balcony fell 90 100 feet. Um her fall um lasted two and a half seconds um it's not enough time to even figure out what's going on or even get ready to land or you know uh, she didn't have any time for that but fortunately she didn't have to think about her landing because she fell into this small uh canopy this forest green canopy on her apartment you know at the bottom of her apartment building and uh and she fell at just, just the right spot so that the, the frame of it kind of cradled around her as she, as she fell. And so she didn't even hit the ground. Um, if she had fallen just a few inches to the left or to the right, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have collapsed around her like that. She would have hit the ground, probably died. So the answer to the question is, how do, how does a, uh, when does a nine-story fall not kill you? answer, when you land in just the right spot in just the right spot. Um, So today, I want to look at landing in the right spot. And I want to look at Jonah and uh, his story and how the Lord uh, landed him in just the right spot. The book of Jonah reveals that God has a mission for each of us, just like he had Jonah. Do you believe that? That God has a, a mission that... That your life and the content of your life isn't, isn't just about going, going about your business. Um, it's not about just working your job and coming home and resting up for the next day. It's not even about just having a family and raising a family. God, it is that, but it's more than that. And God has a mission, um, for you. And when you understand God's mission for you, fight it all that you want, just like Jonah, um, God's going to get you to the right spot. And you will ultimately see a glorious ending. So I want to talk about uh, God's vision for your mission uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. And go through four things that we see from the Jonah story about God's vision for your mission. The first thing is this. Uh, God has a plan for your life, and that plan is bigger than your own plan. It's bigger than your own plan. At this point in Israel's story, as we work through the Bible in a year, we've gone through several of these uh, Old Testament prophets, so we've seen this, but the story at this point is that the Israelites, God's chosen people, they have gotten into such a state of rebellion that uh, they, they don't really look very much different than the other nations around them. God called them to be his chosen people, that they may live differently, might live differently, and other nations would see this and uh, the goodness of life when you follow after the Lord. But by now they're, they're so similar to all the nations around them that there's nothing distinct about them. And so God... Uh, does not allow his people to rot inwardly, but he's faithful to them. He seeks to restore them. But one of the ways, in fact, the, the primary way that God seeks to restore his people is um, by using other empires to conquer and oppress his people. And one of the most uh, powerful and, and, and quite honestly, gruesomely violent Nations at the time was the Assyrian Empire, and their, their capital was the city Nineveh that God called uh, Jonah to go and and preach to. Um, uh, there's records of some of the violent acts of the, the Ninevites. And um, if, if Hollywood were to film a movie portraying some of the atrocities of the Assyrians, it would it would kind of push the extremes of a rated R movie today, um, just the kind of gruesome violent practices. They were ruthless to the Israelites. God calls his prophet Jonah to warn the Assyrians that God will judge their evil ways. And Jonah refuses initially to go about this mission from God. And we might initially look at Jonah's refusal to go as him kind of fearing for his own life. Um, you know, how would you like to go to kind of the ground zero of, of your enemy, and in Jonah's case, a a violent enemy, and say to that enemy, you're all going to die unless you turn from your evil ways. Would you like to be the one to go to enemy... Headquarters and bring about that message. That's a suicide mission, and Jonah definitely may have thought of that. But later in the book of Jonah, we find out that Jonah didn't didn't want to go because necessarily because he thought he would die from the Ninevites, um, but rather because he didn't want the Ninevites to change their ways. Well, why not? Because Jonah wanted them to be judged by God. God. Uh, Jonah wanted uh, God to destroy the Ninevites, not save the Ninevites. So God's, in order for Jonah to go about this mission, he would have to require Jonah um, to to put away his hatred, put away his desire for vengeance. And and God's mission for you will require um, similar transformation. See, God is... In the business of not just, you know, making adjustments in our life, but a, but a, but a heart transformation. Really change our hearts. And, um, so as you go about the mission that God has for you, we can expect, we can expect that God will stretch us, change us, grow us, um, into, into new people, actually. That's the first point that God has a bigger mission than we have for ourselves. Point two, we see this um, clearly in chapter one, that God will keep pursuing his plan for you. He will keep pursuing his plan for you. Uh, Have you ever been around a child, maybe this child was one of yours, uh, who is simply relentless when that child gets something in in their mind, just will not... Let go. There, there's a lot of staring going on over, over here and some finger pointing. Um, just kind of laser focus and then gorilla grip on something. And, and, and that little child, let me suggest, is nothing compared to God and how relentless God is towards Jonah because Jonah is just wanting to skip out of town and run as far away from this mission as possible. So let me point out something from the first six verses of chapter 1. Uh, we could summarize those verses as something like this. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, to prophecy against it, but instead Jonah boarded a ship headed in the opposite direction. If you look at a, a map uh, where he boarded the ship, he sailed west instead of going east, and east is where Nineveh would be. Um, so Jonah is heading in the opposite direction, and then God sent a great storm, so violent that the sailors overthrew Jonah in the sea to end the storm. And that's a pretty decent summary. But one thing that it does is it looses out on some distinctive, purposeful language that we, we kind of miss as we read our, our some of our English translations of this chapter. And one of the one of the big contrasts in these verses um, is between the two, these two words, one for arise and one for descend. And those words seem to be uh, antonyms for one another, going up, arising, going down, descending. So a more, let me give you a more exact translation for these first six verses. I'll, again, I'll summarize it for you. But a more exact translation would be something like this. God says to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, tell them of their wickedness. And Jonah did arise, but Jonah arose and fled to Tarshish. Tarshish most likely was in Spain, Nineveh, modern-day Iraq. So you see completely different directions from around Jerusalem where um, Jonah was. Um. Then Jonah descended to Joppa. That's where, that's the city near, uh, near modern day Jerusalem, uh, where he descended into a ship. And on that ship, he descended to the lowest part of the ship below deck where he took a long, deep nap, the kind of nap that you try to take when you want to block everything out. And, um, especially this voice from God telling you to do something that you really don't want to do. So you see these, these two metaphors of ascent, arise, arise, Jonah, follow God's mission and descend, Jonah descending uh, away from God, running away from God, running away from God's mission. So Jonah is the story and this language makes it clear. It's a story of a man running away from God. And I think Jonah really wished that God would have said, okay, Jonah, never mind. But God doesn't do that. God doesn't say, all right, never mind, Jonah, I'll find someone else. He chases him. He creates this storm and and hurls this storm down at the boat, at the sea where the boat's at, and all the sailors are crying out to their own gods initially and they're they're completely desperate. This was a cargo ship they didn't have like pleasure liners back in those days. Ships would be cargo ships that's why they had the the vessels and If people wanted to to pay an extra fare, get on one of these cargo ships to to sail to uh, overseas to a different port, they could do that. This was a cargo ship and what are the what are the sailors doing they're they're throwing. Their cargo, Do you catch that detail, they're throwing the purpose of their ship, all this cargo over the edge to try to stay alive. So they're completely desperate in this storm. Now let's look at verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now casting lots certainly was this... Um, ancient, kind of archaic method of determining the truth. We might think of it today as casting, like drawing straws and whoever drew the longest straw, they're the troublemaker. Um, it might, it probably wasn't straws back in those days, but functioned the same thing as, way as drawing straws. Probably was little dice kind of tiles that they'd throw on the, they'd read the, uh, the display on the, the tiles and, And that would lead to some some truth. Um, So it's an an odd little detail in the story. Why is it there? Well, it's making a point that God is absolutely determined to accomplish his ultimate mission. He's not going to let Jonah go. The lots identified Jonah as the troublemaker. So God even uses this method of the pagan sailors to, to reach Jonah. God is in complete control. Jonah cannot hide. Look at verse 8. Once the lots pointed to Jonah, they asked him, tell him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. And that word trouble, it's the same word as a, a, a word in the previous verse for calamity, the, the calamity of the storm. Who's making all this trouble? Well, that word, interestingly enough, it's the, it's the same word... Um, it's, it's the word for wickedness and evil. It's the same word that God used when He told Jonah, "Go preach against Nineveh and preach against its wickedness." So I, I think what the writer is uh, very skillfully doing is he's showing the, the not only the gravity of the situation, the storm. It's like it's like evil falling upon them. Now we've all been through some storms here on the Gulf Coast, right? We've been through some bad storms. Um I don't know, I I've never looked at a storm and said, Well, here comes evil coming right at us. Um this was a this this is that level of a storm. And again, the point is God is in complete control of the storm. He made it. And he did so because he will not give up on Jonah. Um now God is not let's let's talk about maybe some of our experience or maybe you'll think of experience that you've gone through or going through. God is God is not a predictable God. Um I say that to say this if you're going through a storm, if you're going through a a, a, a very stormy time, even something that you might describe as as evil. I don't think we can just assume, oh well, I must be doing something wrong. I'm, God, God must be telling me to do something and I'm completely ignoring him or rebelling against him. I don't think I don't think it necessarily means that if you're going through a storm, but it but it could. It could mean that. So we have to be listening during those times and asking the Lord, Lord, are you are you trying to are you trying to tell me something or are you chasing after me? Am I running from you? And you're chasing after me. Um, let me tell you what a storm that you may be going through definitely does not mean. It definitely does not mean that God has left you, that God has abandoned you, that God has forgotten about you. God is right there with you just as he was right there with Jonah pursuing after him. God's got a plan to use that storm, um, to use all of your circumstances ultimately for your good. That's what we see in Jonah as God does not give up on Jonah, but rather uses a storm to get his attention. About 10 years ago, I was on a prison ministry trip to Louisiana. I only went to, on a prison ministry uh, trip once, um, and uh, it, was, it was memorable. Okay, um, There was a, a worship service in the prison chapel, and I'll never forget the preacher, the preacher's name was Ricky Sinclair. And, um, and he's a pastor and evangelist, but he, he was in prison for a number of years. Uh, when he was younger, much younger, he, uh, was, was arrested for some very serious drug trafficking, uh, charges. And he knew he would be spending, if he was guilty, he knew he'd be spending years in prison. And so um he's he's being fingerprinted. And they're booking him, right? They're going to lock him up in jail. Well, he escapes from this Louis, Louisiana uh police building. So right after they fingerprint him, they're taking him off to jail. He kicks off his flip-flops and he just races out into the thicket. I mean, the 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 thick Brush and there's thorns and there's just briars. There's ants everywhere. Um, and he lives in the woods for like 50 some days just eating bugs and things like that. You can read about Ricky Sinclair and his story. And he's living out in the heavy brush. Um, and so things are getting bad and they get worse for Ricky because he does finally get apprehended after escaping from the police. And he's given a life sentence. And he was at rock bottom in prison. But it was then that God reached his heart. And um, at this time, he had a wife, he had a child. Now he's in prison, and he's, he's just going through his lowest point. Um, but he repented in prison. And he started walking with the Lord, and God radically changed his life. That transformed life that God wants to achieve in each and every one of us. Where he miraculously got released from prison, he didn't have to serve his life sentence, and so now he's a pastor, travels around, speaks to to inmates. And I remember one of the things that he said to the inmates at this worship service. And and I don't want to make light of being in prison. Um. And and I don't. And he wasn't trying to make light of being in prison, but he certainly had a different view of life behind bars and what God does when you're at rock bottom. And he told the inmates, this is what he said to the inmates, he told the inmates, people think that these bars are here to protect the outside world from you, but let me tell you, God is using these bars to protect you. He's talking to the inmates to protect you, his precious ones, from the outside world. That's the experience that Ricky had in prison, the life transformation. He knew the power of being brought to rock bottom. And when you're there, you can know that God is right there with you. And you wouldn't be there if God wasn't bringing you there to give you hope and to bring a turnaround and do something really important in your life to ultimately give you a blessing, to give you the power, the ability to carry out the mission of God. So Jonah, he's in the storm of his life, right? He says, throw me in. He faces a dilemma. Everyone faces a dilemma in that moment. Um, it's it's who's going to die? Who's going to lose their life? If Jonah loses his life, that means the prisoners, uh, the the sailors, not the prisoners. The sailors, they get to keep their life. If Jonah goes down, they go free. And he says, "Throw me in." They throw him overboard. Look, let's look at verse thirteen. I'm going to read a few verses here. I have them on the screen for us to look at before they throw him overboard. Instead, the the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. Notice earlier in the chapter, they were crying out to their own gods. Now they're crying out to the Lord. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Next slide. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah, they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared who? The Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So this is an amazing story. The, 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 The pagan sailors, they're praying to their own gods at the beginning. Now they're praying to Jonah's God. They are addressing God as Yahweh. That's the same name for God that that Jonah uses when they ask him who who are you who do you belong to what people do you belong to he says i belong to yahweh and yahweh is my god and now the sailors are addressing yahweh and calling to yahweh let me tell you just just little aside here what we see um just share your faith <laughs> talk about talk about the lord just share your faith and god's going to take it from there and people will start believing in Jesus when we share our faith. Um, it's that little evangelistic aside. Share your faith. God takes that, and remarkable things happen. Faith will spread. God's vision for you is much bigger and broader than your vision for your own life. And God is creating for us opportunities for us to be a blessing to others. Remember what uh, what God said to Abraham and. In uh, in Genesis chapter 12, this is the story of the Bible, and we see Genesis 12, what God says to Abraham, happening again and again and again in Scripture, and that is God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And that's what happens with Jonah. He blesses the sailors, even though if they throw him overboard. They're saved, but now they know Yahweh. But God isn't through with Jonah yet. And A giant fish comes up and swallows him. <laughs> Point three, God knows how low you need to go in order to rise up. Because I, I, I think when, when Jonah goes overboard, he's thinking, that's it, I'm done. That's, it's over for me. Um, and he's, he's finally getting to this point where he's submitting his life to God. Like, I'm done. I, I, have, I have nowhere else to, to run to. I'm going down. My life belongs to you, Lord. And I thought of the, the first statement in the Heidelberg Catechism, the, the statement that we kind of repeat more often than any other ones. Um, I'm, I'm here at, at Hope Church, the Q&A number one. What is my only comfort in life and death? That I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's my only hope. That's my only comfort. There's no guarantees there's no guarantees of trouble-free life, no guarantees of success, no guarantees that all of my dreams will realize, my hope, my comfort is that at the beginning of each day and at the end of each day, my life, body and soul, belongs to the Lord, belongs to the Lord. And I'm trusting him that ultimately I'll land all right. So Jonah is in this, he's, I'm done, that's it, I'm going down. It's thrown into the sea and and does it does it get worse for Jonah? I mean the 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 craziest thing the 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 most unimaginable thing happens to Jonah. He's swallowed by a giant fish. Um but he lives to tell about it. Now, why the fish? God could have sent other things for Jonah to cling to. Could have sent some driftwood. All right? That could have been how God rescued Jonah from drowning. No, he, swall- he brings about a fish. God knew how low Jonah needed to go, all the way down, all the way down. And God wanted Jonah to have some time to reflect on things. And sometimes I think we fear, well, what if the worst happens? What if the worst happens to us? Um, The unimaginable. Well, the unimaginable is happening to Jonah right now. Jonah could not come up with this script himself. And it's clear that this fish is from God, right? Verse, verse 17. Did you see how verse 17 introduces the fish? Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Like, like it's a gift. Like, Thank you, God. I would have preferred the driftwood. I would have preferred the life raft. I'll take the fish. Somehow this fish is a gift. And so in the belly of this fish, Jonah finally, uh, if he wasn't done running while he was in the water now, he's really done running. um, And he prays. Chapter 2 of Jonah is his prayer to the Lord. And verse seven of this prayer, he says, "When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you." Isn't that interesting? When my life was ebbing away, so his life is no longer ebbing away in the in the stomach of a fish. He, he, he realizes, okay, my life is no longer ebbing away. Thank you. Um, but when it was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. He says it twice: his holy temple, and another part of not prayer he says it oh what's the big deal of the holy temple well the, the the holy temple that's where the israelites would go to to seek the lord to listen to the lord the beginning of of jonah jonah is not wanting to hear from the lord he's trying to run away from the lord but now he's running towards the lord so that he can see him and listen to the lord And then God shows why he sent a fish and not just a piece of driftwood. Many of you know how long Jonah was in the fish. On the third day, on the third day, the fish vomits Jonah up onto dry ground. There may not be a funnier scene in the Bible to imagine than this fish swimming up to the shore, and just spitting Jonah out onto the shore and him just you know shaking his head wiping all this ick off of his body and then I mean what do you do after that you you're you're laughing you're crying I don't know what you do you're thanking god all at once I mean that's just listen that's the perfect landing right that's landing in just the right spot God is showing us the best message, and that's this. When you think life is at its worst, God has a surprise ending for you. God has a surprise ending, one that you couldn't write yourself, one that you couldn't imagine. It's got a surprise ending. And hundreds of years later, there was another storm. That another man went through, and Jesus face the same decision as Jonah, his life for everyone else's. If Jesus sunk, everyone else got to go free. And Jesus submitted to God, and he died on the cross for our sins. And talking about that darkness that he was going to go into, this is what Jesus says about it. Matthew 12, verse 40 says, For as Jonah was three days... And three nights in the belly of a great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And I'll tell you what, on that third day, God had a surprise ending. And when Jesus rose up from the grave, there must have been a lot of laughing going on. Laughter from heaven with death now defeated, laughter from heaven, with now the the cruelest act that this world can throw at us, now defanged and defeated, laughter from heaven, when God takes the, the most difficult of rock bottoms and brings about a resurrection. So God knows how to bring laughter out of lament. He's been bringing about resurrections on the third day for Thousands of years now, and you may not know how, but God will land you in just the right spot god 's right spot god 's right spot, and he did it for Jonah, and he did it for Jesus, and he'll do it for you he'll do it for you so as we uh, get ready to pray, I want you to think is there something from god that i'm running away from maybe i'm just i maybe i'm angry and i'm running away from something god is asking me to do maybe i'm scared maybe i'm just really really scared about this and i just don't want to follow fully god's command cuz i don't know where it's going to lead i'm scared and i don't want to do it maybe god has asked for instance, you, me, to love people I really don't want to love. That's that's, that's Jonah's story, and maybe that's your story. I, I, God, I don't really want to show kindness or compassion or love for these people. Maybe this morning you think, am I running away from God himself? Not just what God is asking me to do, but I'm running away from God himself. And I, I don't want to submit to God so I'm running away. Do you know that Jesus experienced the ultimate storm and he let that storm carry him down to the depths so that you wouldn't have to go through the storm of dealing with the consequences of our sins? He died so he could rescue you so that you wouldn't have to think, i got to run away. Jesus died, so there would be no more running. No more running. So as we pray, I want you to think, God, am I running? Am I running from something you've asked me to do? Am I running from you? And let, us, let this prayer be a time of turning back to the Lord. And God will, God will land you on just the right spot. Let's pray. Father, we know the storms of life. We've experienced them. We know that storms will come. And sometimes it's, it's a little confusing to know exactly what to do in these storms. So we want to keep our eyes on you. We want to, we want to, to know that you're with us, and we see that in this Jonah story that you never leave us, and you keep chasing after us. Even when we're running from you, you keep chasing after us. So, Lord, two things this morning. Will you help us to repent in our hearts and turn back to you, and turn back to your love, Help us to put our hope in your love this morning. That's the second thing, Lord. Give us hope this morning. Help us to hope in your unfailing love. And as you transform our hearts this Lord, the morning, this morning, Lord, as you transform our hearts, Lord, we trust that you're making us ready for this mission that you give to us where we get to be the ones who are blessed but the ones who bless others as well Lord we we trust in you we hope in you we're desperate for you we pray for your rescue in Christ's name Amen